Well, we're going to start today the Daniel plan. I'm so very excited to do this. Years ago, when the Lord healed me, and um, we had lunch with friends this week who were asking me some questions about the miracle that God did in my life and how he did it and what it meant to grow up the way I did. And um, he's the author of a number of books, and he says, I really want you, we need to get this story written down. We need to get you to write a book on this. And And I said, if you'll help me, I'll do it. And so I'm kind of excited and I'm nervous at the same time. But I want to start this message the same way that I told him that um, something I said to the Lord years and years ago, long before I ever moved to Michigan. And for me, it's not a matter of how long I live. Mother, my mother's visiting with us from Georgia this week, and we're so glad she's here. But she told me... She told me not long ago, she says, your daddy and I never expected you to get this old. And um, I go, well, thanks, Mom. <laughs> so, but it's really not been a matter of how long I could live. This, my prayer has always been, Lord, help me to live well. Help me to take care and be a good steward of the health that you've given me and to live well. And as a young Christian, I began studying revival because revival has always been a passion for me. It's a something I want to see God do in our nation again. Our nation has experienced historically from time to time great revivals. Even secular historians will admit there are times our nation would have flown apart if it hadn't been for the revivals that God sent. And I think we're due for another one of those revivals right now. Historians agree that it was the revival that happened under John Wesley and George Whitfield as they were preaching the gospel that saved Great Britain from total collapse. And so we really need revival. But one of the key things that I saw in revival was how that God always used young people, young men, young adults. You can see it in the calling of the disciples. The oldest disciple was Peter, and he might have been, according to most people who have studied this, he might have been a little older than Jesus, and we all know that Jesus was crucified when he was 33 years old. And so I have been following with passion and interest this revival that's been taking place at a Methodist college called Asbury in Willsboro, Kentucky. And how God has just been moving on these young people's hearts as they've been seeking the Lord. And this week I was praying about that again. And, I, and I'm not saying this was a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or that the Lord necessarily spoke to me. But while I was praying, it was this sense, I want to use all people in revival. But typically young people have more energy. They have more passion They haven't gotten into that accumulation state where they're trying to accumulate a lot of stuff. Their hearts and minds are set upon me, and they want to follow me. And I said, well, Lord, that's how Becky and I have always wanted to live. That's how I've I've tried to preach to the church is, is let's not get caught up in the things of this world. Let's be free to follow Christ wherever he leads us. And so some time ago when I picked up the book, I I knew it was something eventually we needed to do, but I I just was waiting on the timing of the Holy Spirit. And I picked up the book, The Daniel Plan, and I reread it, and I I couldn't put it down. I read the book in two days. I was just, it just was like, bam, this could be one of those keys. And I'd like for you to take just a moment and just... I'm not playing a mind game with you, and if you're, doing, if you're following me online this morning, I want you to do the same thing. 
I want you to take just a moment and imagine what it would feel like after this 40 days of doing the Daniel plan together. What would it feel like to already be healthier? What would it feel like to already have more energy? You know, what would it feel like, shoot a year ahead, what would it feel like to have lost 25 or 35 pounds? Do you think you'd look better? Do you think you'd feel better? Do you think you'd have more energy or more strength? What would it feel like to finally be able to move again and bend over and tie your shoes? Last week, I told you one of the things that motivated me for the Daniel plan was I bent over to tie my shoes, my dress shoes, and when I bent over, I had a little bit of problem standing back up. Not much, but a little bit of problem, and a couple of men in the church cornered me afterwards and says, Pastor, this is the time of life where you only wear loafers. Stop tying your shoes. Well, that's not my goal in life. I want to stay flexible. I want to be able to move. I've got four rambunctious grandsons that I want to play with. And as long as I can, I want to, if I'm wrestling with them, I want to pin them. I don't want them pinning me. And I'm willing to sucker punch them to do that, okay? So I, I want to enjoy the good health and be a good steward of the health that God had gave me. So I'd like you just to imagine that. But as you imagine it, I have a feeling that some of you are going to be attacked. Now, look at me. Listen, you're going to be attacked with what psychologists call limiting beliefs. You're going to be coming up with reasons of why you won't be successful in the Daniel plan, why you won't be 35 pounds lighter in a year or 25 pounds lighter in a year, why you won't be more flexible. You'll be coming up with all kinds of reasons for that because our minds naturally go there. We've tried diet plans. We didn't stick with it. We've tried exercise plans. We didn't stick with it. I had a gym membership, and I didn't stick with it, and I don't have the willpower. Well, the Daniel plan is something totally different, and I want you to change those statements, and I want you to change those statements to faith statements. Like I always add a verb to the points so that you know what to do with the points, I want you to change those statements to faith statements of what you can do through Christ. My daily confession, when I get out of the bed every morning and I'm stretching, my daily confession, Lord, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, according to Philippians 4.13. The, the plans that you have for me, they're good, they're perfect, they're pleasing, and I am able to accomplish in my lifetime what you have called me to accomplish and to do. And I made that my confession every single morning, and it sets my course for the day. So I want you this morning, as we get ready, I want you to focus upon God's power, the Spirit's power within you, and I want you to make some confessions of faith. You see, the key to this whole thing is, is our motivation. Why are we doing what we're doing? I, now, I'll be honest. I, I have enough vanity. I hope you don't disrespect me for saying this. I have enough vanity that I do want to look the best I can. Okay? I, I do. I want to look the best I can. I've got, I have to work extra hard at that. <laughs> My wife, I look at her in the morning, and Becky's just naturally beautiful, you know? She's laying there, and I'm looking at her and going, God, this is better than anything Michelangelo ever did. You know, thank you. But I, 
I do have that. I, I want to look good. I, I do have that. I want to feel good. I don't want to be in any more pain than necessary. Look, I've had over 40 major surgeries. I've got scars all over my body. I have holes in my body. I still have places that haven't fully recovered from what happened 10 years ago in Bangladesh and India. And so, I, you know, I know for me, taking care of good health is a necessity if I want to be a pastor, because it takes a lot of energy, it takes a lot of drive, you have to have that to be a shepherd to be able to lead. And so, to, to focus on your motivation, this is what you're going to have to do in the Daniel plan. You're going to have to figure out your why. Why am I doing this? Why, I don't want you to do it because I've asked you to do it. I want you to try it because I've asked you to do it. But I don't want you to focus on this because I've asked you to. I want you to figure out the why. Because if you can figure out the why, God will show you the how. Years ago, when I was wanting to really develop my leadership skills, one of my mentors was the former professor of organizational leadership and management for New York University. And he took me under his wing and began to teach me and help me and to show things. And he says... He says, Dennis, you have the, the ability to look way down the road, but you're going to need people along the way to show you how to get to where you're going, and you're going to need to listen to them because they can't see what you see, but they can tell you how to get there. And so this morning, I want you to figure out your why, and then God's Word is going to show us how we're going to get there. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, out of respect for the Word of the Lord, let's go to 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 14. Would you stand with me out of respect for the Word of the Lord? And let's look at what God says about our bodies this morning. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. Now, what God's saying there is, I have the freedom to do whatever I want. I have the freedom to do whatever I want. But then he goes on and says, and even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. In other words, I'm not going to be mastered by anything. I'm not going to become addicted to anything. I'm not going to become slave to anything. There are some things in life that aren't necessarily wrong. I got an invitation to a party for some wonderful friends of ours that I had to decline this week that are Jewish. And I... You know, they don't eat pork. As a Christian, you're free to eat pork if you want to. But the fact of the matter, there are some things that they consider morally wrong, abhorrently wrong, that you and I don't necessarily consider wrong. That's what Paul is getting at. Some of these things in life that aren't necessarily wrong, but not everything, he says, is beneficial. So when I quit eating pork years and years ago, when I was in my 20s, it was because I discovered the health benefits of not eating pork. It had nothing to do with religious convictions or spiritual convictions. If, if I go to somebody's house and they fix pork, I eat it and I never say anything about it. But as a, as a rule, I don't because I don't believe it's beneficial for you. Now, you eat all the bacon and the ham that you want and be a disciple of Pastor Rick Sutherland. That, nobody loved hot dogs and bacon the way he did. So the Word of God goes on to say, you say... Food was made for the stomach and stomach for the food. Well, this is true, though someday God is going to do away with both of them. In other words, they're not going to last forever. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord 
And the Lord cares about our bodies. Would you just kind of pat yourself right in the middle and say, the Lord cares about this. Come on, do that. Don't, come on. So the Lord cares about this. There you go, John. Pat it again. The Lord cares about this because it belongs to him. That's his body. Now, John, you have a beautiful car you've never offered to let me drive. A be- you've taken me for a ride in it, but you've never offered to let me drive it because that is a precious, precious car, and I understand why. But you're proud of it because it belongs to you. Your body belongs to God. And the Bible goes on to say that since your body was made for the Lord and the Lord cares about our bodies, God will raise us from the dead by his power. God is going to physically raise our bodies. It's called the resurrection when we die. Somebody say, come on, victory this morning. That is good news. We're not going to be just spirits floating around in heaven. We're going to have real bodies with real appetites just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Father, I am so excited about this, and I pray that right now, in the name of Jesus, you would just speak to each of our hearts. God, help us to figure out the why, why we want to do this, why we need to do this. And I pray at the same time that you will help us each one to discover that if we commit to do this, to honor you, that, Father, we will find a much greater power than our willpower for it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. Well, this passage teaches me, number one, you can be seated. The passage teaches me, number one, I've got to manage my body. I've got to manage my body. The manager means steward. To steward is another way of saying a manager. A manager doesn't own it, but he manages it for somebody that it does. And as a manager, I can't blame other people for the mistakes that... I've made, I have to look to God. And so sometimes when I talk to leaders, I have to remind them, I say, look, we're responsible for the people we put in place, for policies that we put in place. But one of the things that you and I will never be able to say to God, well, it was my mama's fault because this is the way she cooked, or it was my wife's fault because this is the way she cooked. You're responsible to manage your body. The Lord one day is going to ask you, what did you do with the time, the talent, the treasure, and the testimony or the story that I gave you? But he's going to ask you, what did you do with the good health that I gave you? What did you do with the life that I gave you? What did you do with the dream that I put inside of your heart? And I believe that what God is doing is he's preparing us for eternity. He's prepared us by giving us things to manage like our health, our opportunities, our mind, our dreams, our imaginations, our freedom, our wealth. God is going to say to us, what did you do with the freedom? You have unprecedented freedoms in the United States compared to the rest of the world. What did you do with that freedom? Did you use it selfishly or did you use it for the good of others? Second thing that this passage we read teaches us is that my body is God's property. It belongs to him. Now, when you say my body belongs to God, in America, those are fighting words because we see it every time an abortion debate comes up. We see it every time some other debate comes up. We see people saying, it's my body, hands off of my body. I can do with what my body what I want to do. And God says, that's not just true. We just finished a series called Dollars and Cents where we looked at that everything we own, God has loaned to us. God loans it. God owns it. 
and God loaned you your body, and God owns your body, and one day God is going to resurrect your body and give you a brand new body. But the body is holy. The body is created in the image of God. When I was ministering in Africa a few years ago and preaching there, and I met some of the African men in the sub-Saharan that had gone through the scarification that they go through in some of their religious worship, one of the things that some of those men had told me says, I wish there was some way to do, with, do away with these reminders that I have to look at in the mirror every day of when I served the devil and not when I served the Lord, of when I served violently rather than being a servant of the Lord. And those conversations broke my heart with those men because they live with the reminders every day of what had happened to them. But one of the things that they had recognized is that their bodies were holy and they were created in the image of God. You can't compartmentalize and say, this is mental, this is, uh, this is spiritual, and this is physical. You belong to the Lord, body, soul, and spirit. And the third thing this passage teaches us is that my body will be resurrected after I die. My body will not just stay in the ground. It doesn't matter if it's been cremated. It doesn't matter if it went down in a shipwreck and uh, was, you know, decayed at the bottom of the sea. It doesn't matter how long. One day our bodies will be resurrected and we're going to discover that heaven is a wonderful place with colors like we've never imagined, mountain peaks like we've never imagined, streams like we've never imagined. I honestly don't know if there will be snow in heaven for those of you who love the snow and the skiing and the sledding. If so, I hope I'm not a part of that part of heaven, okay? So heaven is going to be a wonderful, wonderful place. But when you get there, imagine the food that's going to be there. You see, sometimes kids will ask me, say, Pastor, are we going to eat in heaven? I go, absolutely. Jesus' resurrected body is a model of that. When Jesus appeared to the disciples, what did he say? Have you got anything to eat? That's my kind of company, I like to be with people who like to eat. And, and somehow or another, Jesus' body did some sort of Star Trek thing where it dematerialized. He walked through the doors and scared the britches off of everybody because he appeared in a room. Our bodies are going to be so different, but they're going to be resurrected bodies. And look at what the Scripture says about this in 1 Corinthians 6, 14. God will raise us from the dead by his power just as he raised the Lord, our Lord, from the dead. So say, Pastor, if we know all of this, what is the struggle? Here are some mistakes, according to Pastor Rick Warren, that we make. And I hope you've gotten a copy of the book and read it. If your small group is doing it, the small group guides still have not got in. It's due to weather, but we have, we have permission. We've copied the, the first sessions for your small groups. You can get those from us. We can email them. You can pick them up here. And also, the videos and all of that are available for you to watch as well. But according to Pastor Warren, here are the mistakes we make. We rely on willpower instead of God's power. Willpower is not enough to change. I was listening to Dr. Amen on a, on a uh, Fox News, and then I clicked over to get the YouTube video clip of where he did it on CBS News. And the CBS News video was absolutely incredible when they interviewed Dr. Warren, Dr. Hyman, and Dr. Amen about this, this plan, the Daniel plan. And one of the things that Dr. Hyman said was that our brains, when they change, all of a sudden, if we 
take our brains and we begin to change our appetites, change our habits, then our brains start desiring what is good. Now, I just went through this when I was diagnosed with AFib. Most of you know how much I love coffee. I, I drank a cup of coffee before I went to bed at night to relax. But when the doctor told me I had to cut down to three cups, or he actually said two cups, and we compromised at three cups, three cups a day, and let me tell you, that took a lot of persistence on my part to persuade him. When he said to do that, I just, you know, I literally have gotten to the place now, sometimes, I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, sometimes I only drink a cup and a half a day of coffee because I find I don't want it as much as I used to want it. What has happened? My mind has created a new neural network. Now, that doesn't surprise God because God created you in his image and God created your body that way. I, have, I don't have a lack of energy. I don't have a lack of drive. But I think my heart is doing a lot better since I'm not consuming so much coffee. You see, he says once you can get your brain trained... He said fat begins to fall off. Your, your attitudes begin to change towards fitness and towards diet. Suddenly you find yourself desiring good things. The second thing that he says that is we have the wrong motivation. You see, it's not just about me. It's about you. It's about Becky. It's about our children and our grandchildren. It's about our community. It's about the people we live and work with. Because when I'm in good health and you're in good health and we're serving God, we're, we're bringing more to the table, we're bringing more to the team, we're bringing more to our community, and God is able to use us in a better way. There are so many people, because of poor choices, they have bad health. Now, looking good, feeling good, and wanting to move better wanting to have better friendships, those are all legitimate goals. Those are not bad goals. Those are good goals. But it's not enough to keep you on the track. Because when you try to change on your own, one of the things that you're missing is we were made for <coughs> community. We were made to do life together. We're better together. We're, we're, we're part of something called the body of Christ. And as a part of the body of Christ, you and I are connected to one another. My body is connected to the body of Christ, and your body is connected to the body of Christ. We belong to one another. We're a part of one another. Look at 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 15 with me this morning. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Now, I want you to understand the context of this. A lot of people read this and say, well, that means I'm sinning against my body. No, the context of this is the body of Christ. If I sin sexually, I not only sin against my wife and my children and my grandchildren, I sin against you. If you sin sexually then what he's saying is, you sin against all of us as well. And he's using this in the context, listen, he's using this in the context that we are supposed to be good stewards of our lives, body, soul, and spirit, because we're connected to one another. If I don't take my life and make myself realize I am a part of something greater than me, 
I love to listen to Frank Sinatra sing. I've got just about every song. I, you know, I'm dating myself here, but I love to listen to the man sing. But sometimes the songs he sings are so self-centered. It's not all about me. And it's not all about you. And it's not just about us. It's about us together for the glory of God. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that this morning? For God's glory. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Because fifthly, the Holy Spirit lives in my body. The Holy Spirit. And that is just such an awe-inspiring thought. I, I, I tried to really emphasize that in Dan's father's funeral yesterday. Christ is with us. You've heard me say that now almost every Sunday since the year started because I felt like it was something the Lord really wanted me to drive home to us this year. Stop taking for granted that Christ is with you. Jesus is with you wherever you go, whatever you do. He lives inside of you. He loves you, and he delights to be with you this morning. Do you ever meet people that you go, whew, I've had enough of them for a while. Don't look at them if they're sitting next to you right now. Stop it. So, <laughs> some people, they have a way of just rubbing us the wrong way. Just, you know, and we have enough of the. But you can never get enough of Jesus. And what I have noticed is you can never get enough of people who are like Jesus. The more you're like Jesus, I mean, the kindness, the love, the power, the peace, the joy, the patience, the goodness, the self-control, the more you're around Jesus, the more you want to be, and the more you're around people like Jesus, the more you want to be around them. You see, God has always looked for a place to live among us. He walked with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and then when they sinned, there was the tabernacle that Moses built. And then later in Israel's history, there was the temple where God said his presence would dwell. But everything changed when Jesus came and took your sins and my sins upon the cross. We call this an altar. And for many of us, this is a precious place where we've spent time in prayer. But if you understand the tabernacle altar and the temple altar, it was a messy place. It was a bloody place. It was a place where sacrifices for sin was made. It wasn't a pleasant smelling place. It had to be cleaned constantly because of the sacrifices as people recognized how their sin separated us from God. But when God came and took your sin and my sin upon himself, this became the bloody altar. This became the place where all the garbage of my life was disposed of. And God says when that temple and the veil was rent from top to bottom, if you've ever read your Bibles and you saw that story when Jesus died, the access to the presence of God was open to every single one of us, and God takes up residence in us. Look at 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Now, that's not just my body, but it's us as the body of Christ. And whether you're Protestant or whether you're Catholic, every denomination believes this, if they're faithful to the Bible, that Christ dwells in us by his Holy Spirit, and Christ dwells in his church by his Holy Spirit. A few months ago, I caught somebody trying to do some vandalism in the back, and I was able to run them down, and they ran, and 
left me with a few complimentary words. And, um, you know, they, they were going to vandalize. And fortunately, I just happened to drive up, I think, in God's timing and was able to stop that. But if you saw somebody trying to damage the church, you, you would either call the police or physically try to stop them. But we vandalize our bodies every single day through a lack of sleep, lack of rest, through poor habits of health. This body, I mean, it may not look like much to you, but the Holy Spirit dwells within me. And you, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. Mike Geppert, the Holy Spirit lives in you. That makes you precious, bud. Carrie Valentine, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. If that doesn't lift your self-esteem, I don't know what does. I mean, you could talk about who you've had lunch with. You could talk about who you've met in life. But the fact that God lives in you today. And then sixthly this morning, Jesus bought my body on the cross. And so I know what it means to feel like you have no self-worth. I can remember those days so well. But if you want to know, and you've seen it on bumper stickers, and I, I hate trite little sayings, but if you want, look at the cross this morning, and I hope the cameras are going onto the cross right now, look at the cross, because if you want to know what you're worth, Jesus shows you what you're worth, because he could not live in eternity without you. He could not be satisfied in eternity without you. He said, heaven will not be heaven unless you are there. And he stretched out his arms and he died for your sins and my sins. 1 Corinthians 6, 20. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. I am so thankful so many times we've been the guest in your homes. I've seen how you feed your pets I've seen the energy of your pets. I've asked you, what do you feed your dog? Some of you have pulled out, you know, these organic dog foods that you feed your dog. You know, growing up down south, <clears throat> I can remember how we tried to grow and put healthy things in the, for our livestock. But we eat poorer than what we feed our pets. We eat things that are not good. Do you think a man that owns a a half a million dollar racehorse is going to feed him junk food? No. And God bought your body with a high price. You were worth so much more. Look at Romans 12.1. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper or spiritual worship. Listen, taking care of your health is worship. It's not self-centered. Some people make an idol out of their bodies. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm not asking you to make an idol out of your body. I'm not asking you to try to, to get a spread in Muscle Magazine or whatever latest magazine is out there. I'm asking you to take care of your health. A lot of times people ask me, to, Pastor, would you pray for me? I get these calls all day long, and I am happy to pray with people. I give them scripture to meditate upon. There's not a day of the week goes by. I don't get these kind of calls. But then I asked them, I said, before I pray for you, and, and Zoltan, you're 94 years old. 92. Sorry, no, Zoltan. Sorry. What's a year or two when you're over 90, Zoltan? 
So you're 92, you get along really well, you move really well. Do you know Zoltan has given away 100 New Testaments recently in our community to waitresses in our community when he goes in for a restaurant? And in every one of them, and in every one of them, he includes a $20 bill, whether it's a big meal he's had or a small meal he's had. He is really being a witness for Christ. And, and Lorraine sitting there beside him is 101 years old. And so I am so thankful for both of them. But if Zoltan and Lorraine were to call me today and say, I want you to pray for my health, I'm going to ask you this question. I'm willing to pray for you, but are you willing to do what God says you need to do about your health? Because people have had heart surgery. Heart surgeons tell me they go back to their old habits. People have had cancer surgery. They go back to their old habits. Look at what Psalms 119 and verse 73 says. As a matter of fact, it's on the screen. Read it with me this morning. You made my body, Lord. Now give me sense to heed your laws. Can we read that again? You made my body, Lord. Now give me sense to heed your laws. I really, really want you to get this this morning. One more time. You made my body, Lord. Now give me sense to heed your laws. You just prayed three times in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God's going to answer that prayer. God is going to answer that prayer. He will give you the sense and he will help you. Listen, Deuteronomy 32, verse 47. These instructions are not empty words. They are your life. Say that with me. They are your life. By obeying them, you will enjoy a long life in the land. God's word is life. Sometimes when I pray over people, I did yesterday with one of the men in our church who's just had cancer surgery. I prayed with him. I said, Lord, make the medicine that he takes, make the food that he eats, the water that he drinks, make it healing to his body. Help him recover. Don't let the medicine attack any other organs that it shouldn't attack, but just directly attack the cancer. You say, can you pray that way? Absolutely. That's the way God created us to pray with not limiting beliefs, but to pray with faith that God is going to... I told you last week, one of my prayer partners prayed for me. He says, Lord, we know pastor's not a very good cook. And I ruined the meal that I tried to cook for Becky for Valentine's Day. Sometimes our faith is now, Lord, if you're willing or if you will, let's go to God with faith. Look at this. My son, I'm reading from Proverbs again. My son, do not forget my teaching... But keep my commands in your heart. Now, these are his commands. Let's look at what he says about them. They will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. How many of you want that? They will prolong your life many years and give you peace and prosperity. Remember what I said at the beginning. I never pray about how long I get to live. I just said, Lord, I want to live well. My days are in God's hands. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways to submit to Him. What's He saying? Worship instead of worry. Don't live stressed out. Learn to relax. Learn to chill because you're trusting the Lord. You can choose to worship or you can choose to worry. But if you will worship God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you will find you will live an overcoming life. And don't listen to the people who say, oh, I tried it. It's not about trying it. It's a way of life. He will make your path straight. In other words, that's integrity. Do not be wise in your own eyes. That's humility. 
Fear the Lord, shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Why the bones? Because that's where the bone marrow and the blood cells are created at. We sang about the precious blood of Jesus this morning. If you were part of the service then, you go, what are they saying about the blood for? Jesus shed his blood for us that our sins could be forgiven. That's why we were singing about it. And, and he's saying that my word will even be nourishing to the marrow in your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops, that's generosity, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing. So look at it. Tranquility, integrity, humility, and generosity. God says this is what will come about in your life if you will trust me. So let's wrap this up with four things that you can do that will help you to be healthier. Number one, trusting God is good for your health. You're either going to worship or worry. I said to myself, relax because the Lord takes care of you. Look at your neighbor this morning and would you just say that to them? Relax because the Lord's going to take care of you. Mark, relax. The Lord's going to take care of you. Relax. You've got a long, if I envy you for anything, it's the future that you've got. You've got a great future. God's going to take care of you. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bone. Have you ever said, some of you have said to me this, Pastor, you just understand, she, he is a pain in my, you know? And because you get bitter about it, you have a pain in your. And so the Bible says, just be at peace, be healthy. Number two, confess your sin. Confessing sin is good for my health. Pastor Corey stood here a few minutes ago, and he said, let's just humble ourselves before the Lord. The Bible says that we shouldn't eat unworthily if we've committed sin. Let's confess them. God will forgive us. Confessing sin is one of the most, psychologists will tell you, Carl Mininger made a mint years ago when he wrote a book called Whatever Happened to Sin. Because the nation's mental health problems dramatically increased. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. I groaned all day long. My strength evaporated. And finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. <clears throat> and you forgave me, and all my guilt is gone. And you might say to me, Pastor, you don't understand what I've done. It doesn't matter. God knows what you've done. And God cleanses and God forgives us to the uttermost if we put our faith and trust in Him. That's what makes this life so wonderful. I can trust the Lord to take care of me, body, soul, and spirit. Can we give Him a hand of praise for that this morning as well? All my guilt is gone. Thirdly, giving generously is good for your health. Did you know generosity is good for your heart? University of Michigan has done study after study on what generosity does for people. The Bible says a generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. My prayer is that you're going to be refreshed as we go through the Daniel plan, that you leave this church refreshed. And then finally, and I hope this doesn't sound too unspiritual, but it's true, having fun is good for your health. And I, I appreciate those amens. Somebody called one time and says, I just listened to one of your messages. And I could, can you ever tell how a conversation is going to go just by the tone of your voice? I says, you did? And I go, well, thank you. They said, your church laughs too much. 
And I said, they do? She said, yeah, you laugh too much. It's not very spiritual. Jesus was not a humorous person. And so this person began to tell me how humorless Jesus was, and I was thinking, he created you. <laughs> so finally I told her, I said, ma'am, I think you've got it all wrong. I said, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, and it sounds like you could do with a little bit of that. Let me pray for you. Click. <laughs> well, you don't want prayer. You're in sad shape. <sighs> Having fun is good for you. I love to laugh. I love to be with people that are joyful and joyous and want to have fun. I don't want to spend my life with Eeyores. Okay? I want to spend my life with people who believe. A joyful, cheerful heart brings healing, brings healing, brings healing to both body and soul. But the one whose heart is crushed struggles with sickness and depression. If your heart is crushed this morning, my prayer is that God is going to heal your broken heart. If you feel distant from God because of the weight of sin that you're carrying, my prayer is that you're going to understand if you trust Jesus, he will forgive your sins and all your guilt is gone. If you're worried that I can't do this because I don't have enough willpower, my prayer is that you're going to trust that the Holy Spirit that lives within you is greater than he that is without you and God's Spirit will make you more than an overcomer. I am alive. I am healthy. I'm doing what I do today, not because I was born that way, but because of a miracle that God did in my life. And I promise you a miracle can be yours today if you trust in Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen this morning. Well, stand with me and we're going to pray and then we're going to receive our offering. Father, right now in Jesus name, I'm asking you with gratitude, Lord, for what you did for us at Calvary. I'm asking you to touch us today. God, create a desire and a passion, but also a Christ-given confidence that we can do this through you. Lord, I'm not asking people to make their morning confession mine, but... I do pray that you'll encourage them to make one similar to mine, Lord. I can do all things through Christ Jesus, which strengtheneth me. Philippians 4.13. I can accomplish in my life all the things that you've called me to do with joy, with the Holy Spirit's power, and with your blessings upon my life. And now, Father, I pray for those that may have never crossed the line and given their heart to you. Jesus, what does it profit us to live a physically healthy life? Lord, to practice meditation and yet die without Jesus Christ. Jesus, you died for Buddhists, you died for Methodists, you died for Hindus, you died for... Pentecostals, you die for Catholics, you die for Lutherans, you die for Muslims, whoever would call upon the name of the Lord. So I pray, wherever this message is listened to online or here at this church, there'll be people right now that'll pray this prayer with me. And if that's you, will you just pray with me? Already this year, 34 people I prayed this prayer of faith with me personally to commit their life to Jesus. 
would you be number 35? Would you accept the love that God has for you and the new life that God has for you in Christ? Say, Heavenly Father, I never knew how much you loved me until I looked at that cross and saw how you stretched out your arms for me. You were crucified for my sins. I don't understand it all. But today, I want to receive your forgiveness and a new life in you, Lord Jesus. So as much as I know how, I commit my life to you in Jesus' name. And if you did that, God forgives you. God cleanses you. And if you prayed that here in the sanctuary this morning, would you just lift your hand and nobody's looking around but me and just say, yes, yes. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Someone else? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How good God is. If you prayed it online, would you just email me at pastor at woodland.church? That's all you got to do, pastor at woodland.church. I want to send you something tomorrow. And I thank God for these three men who are lifting their hands to say, I'm committing my life to Christ today. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that? Now, Father, as we prepare our hearts to give, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus, would you bless your people as they're faithful to bring their tithes to you? God, would you bless your people as they give, Lord, for missions? And would you bless your people, Lord, that when they see others in need, that, God, our first response is not to turn away, but to turn towards and see how we can be a blessing to them. For I ask this in the name of him who gave it all, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Now, you can be seated, but before you give this, you can be seated. Before you give this morning, if you have a special prayer request or anything we can help you with, please fill out a communication card and let us know that this morning. God bless you. I love you so much.